My name is Parker Bennett, and I've spent the last 20 years helping people through the process of their largest single investment they may ever make, their home. From building inspector to real estate agent, I've chalked up a number of great experiences and strategies for everything related to the home buying experience. This podcast is dedicated to anything and everything around the Kamloops real estate market. Welcome to the Kamloops Real Estate Insider Podcast. Welcome everybody to the Kamloops Real Estate Insider Podcast. It is August 31st. Feels like the last day of summer for some reason. Uh, Kids are starting to funnel back into the schoolyard. Just coming back off a two-week Two and a half week away us. Uh, had a little holidays, did a little time at the lake, managed to squeeze in COVID and a 44th birthday. So uh, yeah, just you might notice a little tickle in my throat today, but I am on the mend. Be back in action here. Uh, hoping that the, in eight days when the uh, Bank of Canada meets uh, to decide whether or not they're going to be raising interest rates this fall, uh, I'm hoping and I'm, I have a theory, I know I'm I'm probably alone in this, but I'm hoping to get a uh, break for September, hoping there's not going to be an interest rate hike. I do believe interest rates will continue to rise, but uh, my my prediction is that September we're going to get a little break. Um, I know that doesn't coincide with what everybody else is hearing in the media, um, but that's what I think. So um, September around the corner, September usually signals a decent... Uh, increase in activity in real estate market. If you look at the last 20 years, it's always kind of played out that way. September, people get back to school, they get back to what they're doing, they look back at their goals. You know, if they're looking to move, uh, sell their house, buy in a different subdivision, upgrade, downgrade, whatever. Interest rates realistically are pretty, are, you know, they're pretty decent. They're not relatively high. They're high for the last two years relatively, but if you look at a macro look at what interest rates have been for the last decade, two decades, they're sitting about where they normally sit. They're not record highs. They're not record lows. Uh, we came off a, a pretty fantastic 2020, 2021, and now we're getting back to uh, more realistic interest rates. Um, and that's just, it is what it is. So today on the podcast, what I wanted to talk to you about was some pitfalls uh, for first-time homebuyers. And these are like, I'm not just going to be talking about the normal pitfalls that first-time homeowners get themselves into. I want to dive a little bit deeper and talk about some of the emotional issues that we run into with first-time homebuyers. And the purpose of this podcast is not to, it's not to poke fun at first-time homebuyers, but it's if you're a first-time homebuyer and you're listening to this, you know, maybe this gives you just a little bit of a uh, kind of a peer into the eyes of what what lies af- ahead of you um, if you're thinking about purchasing a home in the next 12, 24 months, whatever. Um, these are some of the things to take to take into account. Think about them and uh, and and act on some of these tips so that when you are in that position of making offers or doing your due diligence that you don't fall into the first-time homebuyer trap. Um, anyways, let's just jump right into it. It's a quick podcast. I just wanted to get some of these out. Uh, and we'll start with uh, 
This is tip number one. This is uh, probably one of the more important things you should do. And I'm not saying that every first-time home buyer uh, doesn't do this, but it's literally to make a game plan. And uh, when I say make a game plan, I want you to map this out. If you choose a really good realtor, probably what they'll do is they'll sit down with you and help to map this process out for you. Um, What's the timelines? What are your expectations for timelines? Are you shopping for 18 months in, uh, in the future? Are you shopping for, you know, if the right house comes up next week, are you pulling the trigger? Look at your financing situation. Have you spoken to a mortgage broker, a, a, a bank? Have you looked at where your deposit's coming from? Have you calculated out the closing costs? Now, this realistically is not something that you're going to do at the coffee table at night um, after dinner. You, this, is a, this is a great conversation to have with a real estate agent who can sit down and map out the plan for what the expectations will be if you're thinking about buying a house 18, 24 months into the future, one of the biggest things you can do right now is to map out your, your process so that you are dialed in when the right home comes up. Um, one of the things that I typically see with first-time home buyers is they want to jump into looking at listings. And fair enough, it, it is kind of fun to go out there and you know, get into some doors and, and start shopping around and seeing what a certain amount of money will buy you. Um, but that's realistically not your first step. And it's, it can be a bit of a waste of time. You have to remember that we're still in a pandemic. I can tell you firsthand, it's coming off COVID here. Um, we're still in a pandemic and we don't need to be getting into people's uh, homes just to shop around just, just for fun. At this point, we need a plan. And when we start to map that plan out, it's going to start a lot to do with money. Where is your down payment coming from? How much can you afford? What are your expectations? How long have you been employed? Because if you've just gotten a recent, gotten a job and you've only been working there for four months, realistically, the bank is going to require job letters and probably two years worth of income statements from you. So this might not be a good time to... uh, to plan on purchasing a home this weekend. But if you're creating your plan, included in that plan is going to be a sit down with a mortgage broker, a bank who's going to be able to uh, map out the financing plan for you, which is a really good starting point. The other part of this equation would be looking at properties online to realistically set the expectation for what your dollar value is going to purchase. In my experience, when a first-time homebuyer starts shopping for houses, uh, they start throwing out low-ball numbers. You know, if we're shopping for a house at a $550,000 uh, list price, and they're realistically looking to spend four hundred grand, uh, you know, they'll, they'll hey, we like this property, but uh, can, you know, let's let's make a low-ball offer four hundred. What's the worst they could say? No. Well, yeah, it, it is possible, and and you want to. You want to lean on your real estate agent for advice in this manner because sometimes properties are overpriced and uh, they will drop their pants a little bit on their, perch, on their price because they've been sitting on the market and they've probably come to the uh, notion that there's no buyers sitting at their front door and they don't have that leverage for that price. But you want to lean on your realtor for this. It, it's, it's pretty common that a first-time home buyer is going to throw out at least one or two low balls before they 
you know, they might need to get that rejection early in their uh, buying experience in order to set the tone that, oh, I get it. So if this is the price, you know, lean on the realtor to, to figure out, you know, what is this property going to sell for? What are the average days on the market for properties right now? So I know that when I walk into a property that's been on the market for 270 days, yeah, there is, uh, there is a big neon sign out front of that house saying that there's a problem. And in a lot of cases, it's price. And so maybe we have the leverage to be able to give them a lower offer. But, you know, if a property's been on the market for two days and the average days on the market for most properties in this area is maybe 15 or 20 or 30 days, realistically, a low ball offer is not going to work. It's just going to be insulting to a seller. And uh, if this is realistically the property that you, you know, you really like, insulting a seller is not going to to fare well in the negotiation uh, process. So map out your plan. I want to highlight on that map some of the highlights. One is going to be getting your financing figured out. Where's the debt deposit coming from? The money part of the equation. Two is going to be understanding what those closing costs are going to look like. You know, if there's property transfer tax, in some cases, first-time homebuyers are going to be able to avoid this. Um, But if you're purchasing a property at $900,000, even though it's your first time home, you're not going to get that property transfer tax break because you've exceeded uh, the number that's allotted for on that uh, omission for property transfer tax. Also, if there's GST applicable, um, first time home buyers don't get the uh, satisfaction of being able to avoid this if they're purchasing a new property. But there is a rebate process in there that, that can calculate it's prorated. So depending on what the purchase price is, there might be a way to avoid some or all of the GST depending on certain circumstances. Um, but these are the things that we need to evaluate upfront. So when we're looking at properties, we understand, okay, even though if I buy this property for $400,000, you know, what is the final tally still going to be, you know, upwards of four hundred and fifty dollars or $60,000, you know, to close out and to pay lawyers and to pay uh, due diligence like home inspection fees, insurance costs, taxes, um, GST, if it's applicable, those types of things. So mapping out what the closing cost is going to look like and then setting the expectation for what properties you're going to be able to afford and what, you know, if you're shopping for a $350,000 something in Kamloops and you're looking for a single family detached home, there's going to be deficiencies. There's going to be manufactured homes in your future. There's going to be, you know, there's going to be certain things that you're going to have to suck up for expectation because that that dollar amount is not going to get you an Aberdeen fixer-upper. It's just not. Not without extensive amounts of deficiencies, uh, which also, in thinking about this strategically, certain deficiencies are going to be frowned upon from a banking perspective, and you might not get financing for those properties, even though you might have the money. It's just that uh, a bank is going to look at you, first-time home buyer, lots of deficiencies at a home. They're going to say, hey, there's a lot of risk here, and this risk is just not something I'm looking to uh, swallow. And it might be a little more difficult to, um, you know, to get financing on properties just of that nature. So mapping it out, uh, that's my first tip. And uh, like I said before, mapping this out is going to be best done with a real estate agent. Set aside some time and uh, sit down and go through the plan, create the plan, look at the timeframes, and start to strategize where you want to be in X amount of time.
Okay, the next common mistake made by first-time homebuyers, it's also made by a lot of uh, inexperienced real estate purchasers, which if you think about it, in most people's lifetime, they're only going to purchase a couple of houses. So nobody really gets experienced at buying and selling houses unless you've done it as a maybe as a business or you, you like flipping houses or you have rental properties and you've, you've made lots of purchases. Um, it can be at a very exciting industry to be involved in. So if it's something that tickles you and, and you've done it a number of times, you become maybe a bit of a pro. However, for the most part, most people are only going to purchase maybe a couple, two, three houses in their lifetime. So this doesn't just fall into first-time homebuyers, but it also falls into just general homebuyers in general. But this common mistake is made by so many people, and it's trying to time the market. So timing the market is like magic. It can be done, and it can be done strategically if purchasing and selling is something that you really don't care when it happens. So if you're living in a home currently, and you decide, hey, I'd like to sell my home and then buy in a better market, that's fine. That's possible that you can do that, but you're trying to time something that is going to be, you would have to be a magician to time that perfectly. Looking back on the market that we just came from, it would have been very easy now to say, hey, if you sold your house in February and you drew out your completion and possession for several months and you purchased in May, you would have timed the market. You would have done, you would have done great. You would have been able to sell at the peak and you would have been buying in a more strategic market for buyers, whereas uh, February was a strategic time for sellers. So you would have had leverage on both sides of the equation. But for first-time home buyers, a common... You know, a common statement would be, hey, I want to buy, but I don't want to buy now because it sounds like the market is a little aggressive and I'd like to wait until the market cools. The truth is waiting for the market to cool is, is not a good strategy. If the market is absolutely insane, like it was through COVID, it may not be a bad time to just wait it out. However, what happened in the market in COVID was the prices went way up. They skyrocketed and now they're dropping, but they're not going to drop back to historic levels. So if you would have purchased in that time frame, you might have overpaid by five or 6%. But realistically, the market is not going to settle back down. And so you, you won't, you're only going to be out four or five or maybe in a worst case scenario, 8%. But what would you, what are the, what is the, what is the options? What's the other scenario here? The scenario is that you wait out and you continue to pay rent, which is also money that's, in my case, wasted. You're just paying for someone else's mortgage. I have a, a true belief that if you're looking to purchase a home, the best time is to do it yesterday. And it doesn't really matter what the market's doing. If the market's going up, if the market's going down, the best thing you can do is purchase and get in. Once you're in, you're just in and you start to accumulate wealth. You start to accumulate asset in your home. And if you're doing this as an investment, um, buying is going to be like if you buy today and you buy tomorrow and you buy next year, just buying in general is where you're going to make your money. You, real estate investors rarely make money on the sell because once you sell, you pay capital gains. Once you sell, you 
There's nowhere to make money again, but purchasing and owning the asset will continue to appreciate. And the sooner you get in and the sooner you suck it up and get in the market, the sooner you start to create that asset appreciation. So trying to time the market for a first-time homebuyer is not my recommendation. I would suggest that if you do not currently own a home and you're trying to enter the real estate game, the best thing you could have done yesterday was purchase a home. And the best thing you can do today is to purchase a home. And the best thing you can do tomorrow is not wait till tomorrow and purchase today. The sooner you get in this market, the sooner you'll start to create that asset um, appreciation. And that's been my recommendation for my entire life. Every mistake I've ever made in real estate as as a real estate uh, investor was selling and waiting. I I wish I'd have bought 10 times the properties that I bought uh, in my lifetime so far yesterday. So that's my tip. First time homebuyers looking to get in the market, just get in. Don't wait. Okay, my next pitfall is uh, one I joked about with a real estate agent just yesterday, talking on the phone with one, and we were talking about uh, collapsing sales early. This is something that um, I would say 50% of first-time homebuyers do that I've had experience with. Uh, of course, they don't all do it, but they tend to do this. Um, and if you're, a, if you're a veteran real estate agent, you know this going into this. You could probably see this. And in some cases, there's nothing you can do but just go through the process. So early buyer's remorse in the due diligence period, and you got to collapse the sale, and there's nothing you can do to prevent that collapse. So I'll give you an example. You start shopping for real estate with a first-time homebuyer. They fall in love with the property, and they make an offer to purchase it. They create their due diligence. They have their plan in place. And they start going through that due diligence period and they start to see, you know, what uh, a furnace is going to cost, a roof might cost, and they start to get cold feet in that purchase process and they want to back out. And, you know, in some cases they justify it by there's just too many deficiencies with this property. If you're shopping for a property with me, those deficiencies aren't going to be surprises. We're going to be looking at these items with clarity during showings. So when I walk through a property, I'm going to give you the indication whether or not this roof is going to need to be replaced in the short, you know, micro future for you. Uh, Again, furnaces and hot water tanks and plumbing issues. And, you know, there's, there's obviously going to be things that need to be evaluated with more detail through the home inspection process. But in my experience, first time home buyers get cold feet in their first accepted offer. And in a lot of cases, they want out. And that's fine. You, you sometimes have to go through that process in order to get them out and uh, to make them feel that they dodged maybe an early bullet. Because I find the next property they make an offer on, even if it has similar deficiencies, because they're maybe shopping in a price point where homes are going to have deficiencies, you know, they're shopping in a lower price point. They need to go through that process. And the second time around, it's just better. They feel stronger about their, uh, uh, their decision to make an offer on the second property. And sometimes they just need to go through that. So in some cases, I, I, I don't frown on this process because I feel like it's a natural process that needs to go through. Um, and I usually make first-time homebuyers aware that this, this, this could literally happen to you during this process. Like we could get cold feet at some point in time. 
And I guess my pro tip for this, my takeaway from this uh, discussion would be don't try and camouflage the issue with your real estate agent. Be honest with your agent. If you feel that you got to get out of this transaction for whatever reason, no other reason than I just don't want to buy it anymore, just tell them. Do not try to feed them uh, fake phony information to get out of the transaction because the real estate agent needs to know how to best approach getting out of that transaction and collapsing the sale. And by not giving them all the details, you could be putting 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 the whole transaction in a very vulnerable state. And I'll give you an example. I once uh, had a client and we were making an offer on a property and it was a very tidy property, higher end price point, zero deficiencies. And in the final hours of that uh, due diligence process, uh, the buyer had noted that there was some shrinkage cracks in some drywall in the living room. And these were shrinkage cracks that are pretty common and a microscope would find them in probably every home. And there was no structural deficiency. I made that statement. The home inspector made that statement. The, uh, the home buyer even had a, a father who was a, a builder who was actually there walking them, talking them through that process. And these guys just were literally wanted out of this transaction, but they didn't tell me, okay? They made a note that fixing these drywall cracks were going to cost in the area of twenty-five dollars to $3,000. And they wanted me to renegotiate the purchase price. So I reluctantly said, okay, if that's what we want to do, then that's what I'll do. Please be aware that if I get you $25,000, $3,000 off the purchase price, you are then going to have to remove conditions and purchase this home. And they agreed that's what they wanted. So I go off to work and negotiate with the other agent to get the purchase price reduced for the reasons of of repairing this drywall uh, deficiency. And lo and behold, I get it. I get the reduction, full $3,000 reduction. And now I take it back to my buyers and I say, hey, good news. I got the $3,000 reduction. And my buyers say, "I I don't care. I don't want it now. Well, the interesting perspective on that is that inside the transaction, inside the contract, the legal document that we agreed to, there's nothing in that contract that says subject to the buyer, just not wanting the property anymore. We don't have a condition to get out of this transaction. And we just used an escape goat that just fed um, more clarity to the seller that we are emotionally reacting to this purchase. So we were in a very vulnerable situation. Um, Not to go into too many more details in this transaction, we did manage to get out of that deal. Uh, The other agent and the seller were very aware that this was an emotional decision that we were making to get out of it. And they just decided they didn't want the, you know, the the headache. So they just let us out of this transaction. So be very honest with your agent all the way through. Do not try and dick them around. Do not try and, you know, give them a hoax or, or give them, feed them a bunch of bullshit because your agent needs to know where you're at at all times so they can make legal decisions about how they approach uh, next steps and due diligence. So pro tip. Okay, the next uh, common pitfall for first-time homebuyers is underestimating or over-expecting houses out of your price range. Literally just shopping for a $400,000 house and expecting a $600,000 house. And this happens quite frequently with lots of buyers, especially buyers that are either new to the region 
or buyers that are just new to the game. So if you're shopping for a home and you've just moved from North Vancouver, when you get to Kamloops, your expectations are unknown. So you're shopping online and you're seeing properties that are Six hundred and seven hundred thousand dollars, and you don't. Before you get there, you don't know what you're actually going to be getting. You don't know what that money will purchase you until you become a bit of a pro. So you need to go shop for houses, and the best way you can do that is to start picking out houses that look good and going and walking through them with your real estate agent. So you can start to get a feel with, you know, if you're shopping for a seven hundred thousand dollar house and you're looking for waterfront, and we've been looking at properties on the river, and you're like, man, all these houses, they're just dog crap. Like they're just literally like, there's so many massive deficiencies. It's like, yeah, because a $700,000 waterfront property is going to need lots of work. Because if you want to start shopping on the water, set the tone for a million plus, because that's what's going to start getting you a house that's move in ready. So, you know, setting the bar early is tough to do without experience. And the best way to get experience is to start opening doors and shopping. Um, and, and my pro tip for this, my takeaway for this would be, once the plan is set, start shopping for houses. Go look at houses. Get into as many doors as you can. You'll start to get very comfortable with what a dollar will buy you. And, and this, this tip is also suggested for people that are not local. Uh, buyers that are coming from different regions. You know, the, the hard one to swallow for people that are moving here from the East Coast is that uh, the dollar goes a lot further on the East Coast, even in Alberta. You know, a $500,000 house in Alberta, you know, will buy you much more than you're going to get here in Kamloops and, and just in, the, in BC in general. So it's a, it's a tough pill to swallow when you're moving from, you know, a region where the dollar goes a little bit further and it stretches better. Once you get to Kamloops, you're going to start to realize what, you know, a dollar will buy you and you just need to get experience in that. And the best way to do that is just to shop for houses. Okay, for the sake of this podcast, we're going to leave the most important one for the very end. And uh, this one is for buyers that uh, may have done a little bit of homework, but maybe are getting some bad advice. So, If you're a potential buyer and you're reaching out on social media and you're finding, hey, top 10 ways to save money in a real estate transaction or buy privately to save commissions, there's a number of strategies that are advertised out there for buyers uh, to try and find ways to save money. And you might be a very intelligent human being. You might have experience in a lot of different areas. Uh, But as a first-time home buyer, I would say, either one of two things, choosing to not work with a real estate agent or just choosing the first agent that runs by you. I say this over and over in podcast land here many, many times to really hammer home the idea that choosing the real estate agent that best reflects what your expectations are is the best way to, uh, to choose one. And, you know, a lot of times how we end up with our agent is literally because we're shopping online and we see a property that we like and we want to take a run at it. And the agent's face that is plastered with that real estate listing is the one we choose to call. And then that just naturally flows into the agent that we work with. And a lot of bad experiences can stem from this because you're just not doing your due diligence. It's literally like walking into a car dealer and just picking the first 
uh, car that is in front of you and just assuming that that is how all cars are and they all, you push the gas, you push the brake, the lights come on, good to go. You really need to do your due diligence. And by doing that, I would say personal interviews, create a list of questions um, and, and, and feel it out. Feel out agents that are going to naturally communicate better with you that are going to be able to have the patience to work with a first time home buyer. Um, in some, in, in some situations, not everybody wants to give all that energy to a first time home buyer because the process can be a little bit longer and you're, you're jogging a track that maybe you, you know, some agents want to get right to the meat and potatoes to make money. I, I mean, I know for a fact that this happens out there. So I would suggest that the best thing you can do for a first time home buyer is to interview three, four real estate agents and uh, interview them in a manner that, that, that is very professional. Like you're, you're, you're looking to hire a real estate agent. Imagine you were a CEO of a large corporation and uh, how do you prepare for those meetings and how, what kind of questions are you going to ask them and how do they respond to you? How do they communicate to you? How do they dress? How do they act? How do they, how do they respond to your initial questions? I would suggest this is the uh, number one pro tip that I can give first time home buyers. And, you know, on a sidebar, I just saw this on YouTube the other day. So it was, it made me laugh, but it was an ad for, it wasn't an ad. It was a, it was a real estate investor trying to jockey position for buying through the listing agent in an unrepresented format to save five to $10,000, um, which is a sexy intro line. You know, if I was trying to purchase something and I saw, hey, here's a way you can save $10,000, I'd probably check it out. But please do your due diligence um, as we all know we should when we read stuff online. So um, don't skip the step of working with a real estate agent. This is not something I would recommend. I don't even recommend this for an avid investor. I know that there is cases out there where you know, people feel that they've done so many transactions that they're so streamlined, but I've worked with people who have left incredible, important steps uh, on the mat because they didn't feel it was that important that were pitfalls waiting to happen. They just didn't happen. So I would suggest working with a real estate agent in 100% of the the occasions that you're going to be doing real estate transactions. And 110% if you're a first-time home buyer. Do not skip this step. Pro tip number one, choose the right real estate agent. I hope that this podcast added some value to your day uh, because it is the last day of August. We're going to have some stats next week and we'll look at what the market expectations are going to be moving into the fall of 2022. I believe we are going to have a productive fall ahead of us. If you're selling, if you're buying, it'll be a very stable market. That's my bold prediction. Um, Thanks for listening into this uh, episode of the podcast and uh, I'll talk to you next week.